Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place we have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your hosts. I am Pastor David, and we got Pastor Caesar back. Feeling totally safe, by the way. Yeah, 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 man. It's been a while. It's been a bit. The summer almost. Really busy. Yeah, yeah, man. It was good to have you back, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, we need another mouth that can talk as much as me, <laughs> and that's you. Well, I came ready and ratchet. So oh, let's awesome! Go. And then we got ratchet. some special guests. We have Daryl and Margaret Wickert. Hey, hey, Hi. thanks for joining us today. We had uh, Pastor Daryl. He was he was here a couple of a month ago or so, and uh, he was so good. We brought his wife back. Thank goodness. It needed somebody to carry him a little bit, so we That's brought right. her back. And then we have my, my, my. Didn't ever think I would get her on the, the podcast, but my beautiful, lovely wife. Tell, 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 the, tell the fans hello. Hi, all you Refuge Project listeners. Oh, so natural. <laughs> natural. What are we worried about here? I just want to let the people out there know there's a lot of flirting going on in this room right now between these two couples. Man, I'm telling you, Pastor Caesar's here alone with all these other couples. He's the fifth wheel. I know, right? Well, because my wife, no. We yeah. She, no. It's not going to happen. But that's uh, all right. Well, shout yeah. out, honey. We love you. Miss Marina. Miss Marina's awesome. She just never would get on the microphone. I thought, I don't want to embarrass Miss Marina, but we were... One of the uh, guys in the church had called us down, and uh, she said, "Bring it." He said, "Bring up your spouses." Marina was nowhere to be found, <laughs> and she said, "He said, where's your wife?" And he was like pointing to the back of the church, and her mama looked at her and said, "Get over here!" And here she comes. So, shout out to Miss Blonde for getting Marina down there. So, anyways, and how you how you guys been doing? We're good. How are good. How now? Before we get started, because we messed this up last time, tell us. Who y'all are, what you do, don't go into your full list, you know, because we, we just did that earlier. Yeah. And that's like three miles long, 27 minutes and all that stuff, almost as long as Pastor Caesar. Uh, and then tell us a little bit about you, you guys' podcast. Have y'all relaunched? No, that's actually in two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Let us let us know. I'm Margaret. I'm a speech pathologist. I work in the school district. Um, mom of two kids, married to Daryl. Volunteer for all things Pastor Daryl does. Oh, yeah, and we do a podcast. What's our oh, yeah. podcast and called? we do a podcast. It's called Parenting Isn't Easy, and it's available on all streaming platforms. It is, all those kind of things. It's fun. It's also fun. It is. We basically, it's a lot shorter than the Refuge Project podcast. <laughs> so, and I'm the researcher for that podcast. I always have notes, and so the fact that I don't have any notes right now and Perfect. I don't have any research to go mm-hmm. off of is kind of unsettling for me. Is the word because this isn't about research. This is the, we're just talking but, about what you I do. Know, but I'm a researcher. What are you going to research about your daily life? <laughs> I don't know. Like that's the point. Like she's like my name is Margaret and I'm a researcher. Yes, yes. that's it. Yep. I think I have notes. Yeah, that's what her Tinder profile said. <laughs> <laughs> we did not meet on Tinder. <laughs> There's no Tinder. That was in 1994. There was no Tinder. <laughs> Uh, pastor Darrell, what do you do? Um, I'm the family pastor at Mercy Gate Church. Um, I, we work with kids, and we've been able to do um, all kinds of different ministry through there. And that's that's really what we do. It would say 
um, as opposed to being husband and dad and things of that nature. And it's hot in here today, man. I think it's just you. Is it? Is it? I'm trying to be on my best behavior because Sanders in striking distance. So <laughs> I just want to be good. I just want to be good. All right. Well, um, honey, how you been? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Are you wonderful? We've been we've been working hard. We kind of you know remodeled the the podcast studio that. here, and uh, so we've been doing a lot of rearranging and uh, going through boxes and getting rid of stuff and all that. So it's been a little challenging here in the last couple of days. Um, but we went basket shopping yesterday. Ooh, yeah, see. yeah. It took us like four hours to do basket shopping. I think we bought every basket between here and Pasadena just to make sure we had enough baskets. See, I have a theory about that. You have to hit like a certain tax bracket in order for you to go basket shopping. <laughs> All I can say is, God's good. <laughs> God is good. All right, well, let's jump right. Bargain basket shoppers. What is it? Bargain. That's right. Bargain. We go to all the bargain. We hit yes. up. We hit up Burke's Outlet. That's right. Marshalls. That's right. We hit up Ross. And then when we didn't find everything we needed, we had to go well, to Well, we it. ended it on a high note, which was Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Well, of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> but when would this basket be used? Like, do y'all have it that plan? Or see all these. Decorative baskets and boxes oh, and everything. I thought you were talking about like picnic baskets. I thought you were, oh, y'all no, gonna, no, no, no. they were gonna go on a I little knew. date somewhere. I knew what you were talking about. No, 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 no. Just like so, this has all of our stuff on it. And it's just not pretty. You know, you're living big when you're going to the container store for baskets. Oh, yeah, I can't do it. She can't do it. She no. would pass out. Yes. First time she bought, you know, a basket for fifteen I'm bucks. I'm spending my entire paycheck on a basket. I just told Pastor Caesar God is good. <laughs> we are not there yet. <laughs> uh, well, let's jump right into Culture Corner. All right, Pastor Caesar, what you got for Culture Corner today? Well, it's not necessarily a story, but it is a current event that's going to be happening. So whenever you're listening to this podcast, we will not be in Halloween yet. So we will be there in a few days. So with that... Just kind of wanted to talk about some things that we got here going on around Houston, but I just kind of want to talk about Halloween in general. We had an episode in, the, in our first season that we, yep. we really detailed all the background behind uh, Halloween, but uh, in case you didn't know, Halloween is on October 31st. Right. Anyway, it's so, a Sunday this year. That. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. That makes that makes it really odd for us kids, kids pastors. I can tell you that. <laughs> so do you have? Do you reuse the same Halloween like message every year? No, I try not to talk about it. Is okay. what, honestly, how about but, the kids or someone? Whenever they come in, do they come in with like their Freddy masks um, and all that? Well, we've asked them not to, but we're gonna have. We're actually gonna have a party this year where we can, kids can wear. We're doing a glow party on Sunday morning this week, so okay. that, and inviting them to come. But so it's a lot of times. So we do truck or treat yeah. or do whatever you know something usually bunch of sinners hallelujah night you know not halloween <laughs> and we live in um you know a neighborhood around the church they have some quite interesting people and sometimes the freddy krueger masks are better than what the parents are wearing oh well Absolutely. yeah they're like oh you forgot to put your shirt on now 
Mm. No. All of it? Oh, no. It came well, like that. It's funny because whenever I did our um, low party advertisement, I put no devils, no scary costumes, and please leave the sexy costumes at home. Yeah. Be- because you get 10, 11-year-old girls, and you're like, oh, hello. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we did homecoming, and then we'll get back to your story in a minute. Sorry. Home- there is no story. I mean, uh-huh. there's a story, but there's no story. We so- did a homecoming two Fridays ago mm-hmm. and we were at the stadium and I guess the junior had had their dance yes. before the game well they came over and I'm like baby you are 12 years old mm-hmm. your daddy needs to come out here and drag your butt home and put some clothes on you mm-hmm. it was ridiculous ridiculous well, I'm telling you what all these girls they have daddy issues anyway I mean right? you, know, you did youth ministry I'm doing youth ministry you guys are involved with young kids and all that stuff how much Man, daddy issues, I'm telling you. If uh, Jesus would come back and say, uh, I'll answer one thing, uh, one prayer that you have, what what's the prayer? I would say, I want you to get rid of all daddy issues, and we would have a lot healthier church. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, what you got? Well, um, got a few events taking place here. Uh, one is uh, at Elam Church. Hallelujah night, shout out. Hallelujah. We're, we're going to be doing a trunk or treat, and that's at from 5 to 8, is that right? 5 to 8. Yeah. Six to eight, five to eight, five to eight. Show up at five. Show up at five. You can help set up. Show up at nine. <laughs> you can help tear down. <laughs> Are we going to be doing that and passing out candy yep, and yep. the whole trunk or treat thing? We've been trying to go. Uh, we're trying to figure out what in the world we're going to do for our trunk. Um, I'm thinking maybe a Monsters Inc. theme kind of with the door. Okay. But uh, but then again, where do you have? We don't have time to do all that, so right, I don't know. Right. They just might get a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> they might get Casper instead of Monster Z. <laughs> have y'all done any uh, trunk or treats or anything like that in the past? Oh, we've done all kinds of. We've been we've been doing kids. We've done Hallelujah nights and yeah, you name it. So what's the, what's the most creative uh, costume that you've seen um, at the youth? We do a, a DIY costume contest, and it's awesome, right? They sometimes they they are just. So creative. What's uh, something that y'all seen that's super creative or in that vein? I don't remember. You know, I think for us, we get so busy in doing what's going on in those events that we don't ever really pay attention to costumes that I can remember. <laughs> One of my favorite was a buddy of mine when we were in the youth. He he had longer hair and he stood it up. My sister stood it up and made a cereal bowl out of it. And they put Cheerios all on the top of his head. And then he had a cereal box with a knife going through it and he was a serial killer mm. so that was that there you was go really cool. yeah that was a good one I think it was your last year as youth pastor you brought in a green screen yeah. and you uh, that was pretty cool I remember that mm-hmm. um, the one that I can remember that we had was uh, you. I know you are familiar with it I don't know if you are familiar with it but that uh, that hot chocolate brand uh, Abuelita. Abuelita. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Yeah. Well, we had a live action Abuelita come in, and she had the whole thing, and it it looked great. I think the last time <laughs> I, I I dressed up was uh, I put candy wrappers all over it, and I was uh, what was it? Candy wrapper, right? Her. But I was dressed up like a rapper, but with candy wrap. Gotcha. <laughs> We get it. it. Uh, Candy corn. When is it ever okay? Never. Never. Sometimes. According to my kid, I found candy corn everywhere. So either either eating it or he's just leaving trails to get back to the kitchen. I don't know. (laughs) But it's everywhere. Everywhere. Then he's not eating it. Yeah. Yes. And last week we had it there in a bowl just because we had it there. 
and uh, I figured it, it's been years since I've tried it. It's so still bad. I went back and I said, you know, I live, you know, my, it's like I'm a few years older. When you get yeah, older, yeah, you know, I'm a few years older. Maybe my my palate is a little more sophisticated since the last time that I've tried it. I tried it and no, it's it's, it's disgusting. I feel like sophisticated palate and candy corn can't go together. <laughs> yeah. The more sophisticated palate you get, the less likely you are to like candy corn. I would agree with that. After because it's just kind of waxy after. Yeah. You get to a point that you're just like, mm. no, you gotta brush your teeth immediately afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, there's a few events going on around town. There is a uh, family fun night at City Plaza. They're gonna be doing a uh, screening of Coco. Okay. Now, I got, I got a three year old kid, and uh, I still don't, have, don't feel comfortable showing him Coco yet. No. Um, I, we, did we watch Coco? Mm hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be a little bit older for that. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with like the monsters and the sci-fi and just those kind of things, you know, because yeah. they're a little you could explain them a little better. Right. But then you start getting questions about afterlife, and I'm like, uh, you're yeah, not, yeah. we're not there yet. Yeah. So what do you think about skulls and stuff? I I think you have a skull. I think I have one, and uh, they're in there. Yeah. So they're a thing. Yeah, that's me too. And you know, I have to see. I was guilty of. I would let my kids wear skulls, you know, on their shirt or whatever. I'm just like, that's evil. And then I started thinking about the same thing. Like, I got a skull on my head. Like, am I evil? So, I- <laughs> <laughs> Sandra shaking her head. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. Anyways, go ahead. See, first, on Sandra's. When you have Sandra on here, you really need to do the video. Right, we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's she, the only way she talks the better experience. with her eyes than she does with her mouth, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, well, while we're there, while, while we're sitting in here, we're a room full of pastors and all that. What do you? I mean, what do y'all think? What, what do you think is a is a uh, just a, a healthy line? Don't cross this line when it comes to things of Halloween. Don't touch it. Stay away from it. Where where do we draw a line with uh, with our kids and growing them and guiding them the right ways about this? Um, I really, I'll be, I really don't know because we spend Halloween at church, right? So last year was the first time that we didn't have a church event since, I mean, I rededicated my life back to the Lord. Um, so I don't know. We just try to stay age appropriate. You know, I think that's the biggest thing for us. Not really a line of like good and evil type thing, but just stay age appropriate. The only issues that we have <clears throat> is Noah, he remembers everything. So as soon as he closes his eyes, like his mind runs and he remembers walking through the Walmart and then the monster hanging from the ceiling and all that stuff. So it's kind of a, a tough time for us because this time of year, we don't take him anywhere mm-hmm. um, because it's everywhere. It's in, you know, Kroger's, H-E-B, Walmart, uh, all those different places. So, um, you know, it's one of those tough times that we just try to keep age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you guys? See, I think I think we run into these spots where you get, we want things to be redeeming for Christ. And I think that's important that we remember. We try to do that for everything we do. But I also think there has, that Halloween in particular, it's such a sticky spot. So you have to leave it up to really parents. Because I know some parents, they see it as a, even a tripping point for them personally on a, on a sinful level. And so if that's the case, I have to be supportive of that. But then I also have to be supportive of the family that says, hey, I, 
I want my kids to have fun mm-hmm. and I want, and we want to make it an opportunity for people to say, Hey, can we come in and, and ask you, you know, introduce people to Christ through this, through this day. And I think there's a, there's a healthy balance of that, mm-hmm. but it's a very fine line that you're walking on. You're tight roping it pretty good. Yeah. And like, um, cause I think, I think even by me doing something like we we're talking about glow party next week, on a Sunday morning during our service where we are going to flip it and we're going to say, hey, we're let's talk about Jesus is the light of the world. Um, that's on the, you know, that's one of those things that it becomes even sticky. It's, it's a sticky situation because some parents are like just by acknowledging it. Yeah, you're inviting bad stuff in. Yeah. And so you have to create that healthy balance of, OK, I understand that. But let's turn this and make this something where we can share gospel with kids. Right. Now, the parents, like the, the parents that we, uh, that would potentially have a problem with it, in your experience, have you found that they are not consistent with that kind of thought throughout their entire life? They only kind of like pick and choose with like Halloween? Because I've had parents that are like, that questions certain events that we do, and rightly so, you know, it, it's fine. Uh, I, I, I encourage that. Ask yeah. questions to see what we're doing. But, uh, you know, when somebody takes a stand, uh, you know, no on this, um, not related to children, but I remember one time walking into a Bible study that I was do- I was leading that morning. I had a cup of Starbucks coffee with me, and then somebody gave me the third degree. And I was like, do you know that they don't support Christian values and blah, blah, just, just all, so on yeah. and so You know, just uh, it, it was an assault rifle, different things. And I still kept drinking my coffee. I'm like, you know, it doesn't bother me. Oh, and I agree, yeah. You know, and, and and with that, I was like, well, wait a minute. You got Coca-Cola doesn't support Christian well, values. Well, we wouldn't be able to br- brush our hair, brush our teeth. Nothing. Use soap. All those things are, you know, these big mega, you know, companies that don't support it. Matter of fact, a lot of them um, talk down. You know, they don't mm-hmm. support the church at all. Uh, and, the, and they're the ones spending money to, you know, uh, have laws and stuff written against the church right and that's my whole argument against it like look if i'm fine if people are passionate about like we're not we're gonna uphold this standard for christ and i'm all for that but let's just be consistent throughout our entire life and i'm not pick and choose what we want to be uh you know gung-ho over yeah and uh but no no i mean it's i love that line that you said everything that we do needs to be redeeming for christ and i think churches have a uh, a responsibility to the community to offer something that is countercultural. yeah um but then you know we get into the that age-old problem of what the church tried to do back in the first century uh whenever they try to incorporate all these pagan uh festivals and all and say look we're christians you know you're you've been christians all this time too so just come and join us and come in this church. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, kind of what Pastor Darrell was hitting on, a lot of it's like conviction, you know. Um, a lot of people have, you know, conviction of, you know, don't get tattoos. And then you have worship leaders that are tattooed, you know, basically their whole body. And so I think a lot of that has to do with certain convictions and maybe the way you you had grown up and stuff that's been instilled in um you know, family traditions over over years too. So yeah, we always. I mean, if you read Facebook about this time of year, um, it'll be on our Facebook. You know, uh, people from our church just you know that goes to our church telling us that we're doing wrong. Yeah. By you know having trunk or treat and passing out, you know, stuff <laughs> talks about Jesus and stuff. I don't know how we're doing it wrong, but I mean, it's Jesus, right? I mean, like, what's the alternative, right? Like. 
You know what I mean? It's 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 if the church doesn't have something and what or what we're doing isn't uh, acceptable in the eyes of the people that are uh, that have a problem with it. Well, then what's the alternative? Stay home. I mean, you've got thousands of people, especially in our spot, thousands of people that are unchurched in that community and that uh, always pass by our church. We should have something for an outreach. See, yeah. and I, just, I, just, I think that, and this is kind of my analytical kids pastor brain, of it's such a hard thing to measure the the productivity of that night. Like mm-hmm. even the, the finances and the hours spent prepping and all of that thing. It's, I... <laughs> I've all, we we don't we don't do one anymore in our stuff just for that reason mm-hmm. because it wasn't we we quickly realized that, well hey there's not many people that are coming to know the Lord because of it mm-hmm. directly there's not very many we're not seeing people added to our church because of it and I was like I can't sit there and go through my number of my church and say hey this guy he came to my church because of Hallelujah night. And it would really be kind of became a thing for us where we're just like, that's just not something that we've seen. Now, we've done these hot spots where we'll have like a, kind of a mini Hallelujah night at somebody's house in the neighborhood because all the kids are, are trick or treating. We've done some of that and that's mm-hmm. been successful. Um, but it's literally just not a it's something that we haven't pressed because we quickly realize that, hey, some of those events like that, it's just hard to quantify right. how much money you're spending as a church. To that particular event, I brought that up one time in a, in a meeting that we were having, and uh, man, I almost got crucified. I don't remember if you, maybe you wasn't in there yet, but uh, yeah, like how can you put a dollar value on the soul and all that stuff? And just I, one family came, and that's enough. That's enough for us to spend fifteen thousand dollars on candy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, I know everybody has their own opinion and stuff like that, but. Uh, my thing was let's just take all of our events and just see what we're spending you know of course I come from the corporate world so that's what I did I went and evaluated everything that we've done audited it and see what was going on and I think that's smart for a church to do and you guys are not seeing value out of it so let's Let's take that money and put it somewhere else that we can see the value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think it's going to look different in every community. Right? Oh yeah, and I think you for and for y'all are in a totally different location than we are. Yeah, I mean you're you're the people in y'all's church, even though there's going to be a totally different group of people than our. You know, demographically everything is going to be completely different than our church. Right, and I think that makes a big difference. But I also think that for us. And for the different churches that I've worked at, it's been something we've been able to look at and say, okay, we did that. All right, where's let's put let's put let's put the you know where's the proof? You know, show me what show me why this is important. Yeah. And I, unless it has a double vision impact, unless it's making more more better disciples, um, and if unless it's those things, then it does that we don't then we're it's, it's we're defeating our purpose. Yeah. yeah, 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 and and yeah, that whole double vision is so important. Because I, I know for us and some things that we've done in the past at Hallelujah Night, it's been kind of like a rally cry for the church, for the people within the church to work on one thing together. So you are building up fellowship with other people and you're giving them something to work toward that's um, short term goal, you know, something that that's in their grasp rather than when you just tell or release people out and tell them, you know, go make disciples. Uh, there needs to be some definition behind all of that. But yeah, no, I completely agree. It's uh, it's a, those are conversations worth having that that only a few people have. 
Um, and those are the ones that are inside the boardrooms and stuff like that. But, you know, it's that's where we're at. Yeah. We're making decisions. Yeah. All right. A couple questions. How many pounds of candy corn are produced each year? Too many. Yep. <laughs> a whopping... What? What do you just give me a number? Throw a number of uh, pounds. A uh, hundred thousand pounds. Uh, no, not, no, it's more than that. It's more than that. <laughs> Ten million pounds. Ten million pounds. Ten million pounds. Ten million. A whopping thirty-five million pounds. Who in the world Somebody's is eating, eating a lot of nine billion no, I pieces? Think, I think they're putting them all in those glass jars just, just to look just pretty. To look if you can guess how many candy corns in this jar, you win. Yeah, All the candy corn in this jar. card to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> that is fun. Do they have it on there on, on who, uh, the consumption, who is, is really consuming these things? No, I think People eight over 75. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Northerners. It's the only soft candy they can eat. They're like gum it to death. Midwestern <laughs> grandmas. Uh, okay. How much does American America spend on Halloween every year? Oh, that's... One trillion dollars. One trillion dollars. Yeah. In 2019, 2.6 billion. Only behind Christmas. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And then the last one, uh, what was, what was uh, candy corn originally called? No idea. Satan's Nasty. Chicken feed. Chicken feed. Chicken feed. Appropriate. Uh, very appropriate. Very appropriate. All right, I got a quick, that, quick that, story. That's who's eating the candy corn. <laughs> chicken. Speaking of uh, speaking of outreaches and different things like that, my culture corner today: Chicago pastor and wife sentenced sentenced to prison for embezzlement of four hundred and fifty thousand dollars from children's food program. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just talk about this. We've seen a lot of failures in the Christian community, leaders, and different things like that. Sexual failures, um, you know, misappropriate funds that uh, given to the church uh, by the by the by the church themselves. But these two genuine pastors were taken straight from the community that they're supposed to be serving. From the kids. From the kids, almost seven hundred seven hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. That they took. What community is this, by the way? It's in Chicago. the The community that needs it the most. These yeah. people are pocketing and buying houses, cars. Um, they said that they were supposed to be feeding two hundred and sixty seven meals, and they really uh, fed fewer than a hundred thousand. I mean, in Chicago, that's just one house. This just one. <laughs> 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 you said they're buying houses. houses. It is a lot of money. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. okay, I was like, what? Where are you going? Kids are going hungry. Kids are going hungry. Yes. Well, not only them, but I guess a couple of their board members have falsified um, money that they use for these uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in uh, food money from the government program. Uh, so now the Husband is spending 36 months in prison. Oh, no. The wife, 12 months and one day in prison. And they have to pay back a total of $481,000. Don't know we're going to get that. They're going to have to sell the one house. And... uh, and I said, I guess sell all the all the different cars and stuff. And there was a, a couple different uh, 
uh, board members, they're going to be spending 10 months in jail, and they have to spend uh, pay back about $90,000 between them. So this is the problem that I have. Like, listen, I know you're going to have a percentage of people, men, that have like, these sexual failures and, and different things like this, but, man, you are placed there to serve the community, and you're taking food out of these babies' mouths, man. Um this is the worst of worst for me. You know, we, we've seen uh, Zachariah have his issues and we've seen the Hillsong pastor have his issues. But Which Hillsong pastor? There's a few the, of them. Yeah, the Hillsong pastors, uh, American pastors anyways, uh, have their issues. But for, for me, this is the top of the top. This is the top of the top. I don't, I, this guy right here, um, no, never mind. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> not gonna well, say it. I was I was listening to a commentary from John MacArthur talking about Robbie Zacharias, and uh, this applies to this situation as well, um, where he uh, he says that uh, yeah, Robbie Zacharias' uh, sexual failures and all that um, that was just the tip of the iceberg because everything that surrounds those lies or surrounds that lie you have to do even bigger lies where are you going well i'm just going over here and, yeah. and you have it's a it's it's just a whole ball of lies so for what we see um uh, initially the, you know they're stealing money but the the whole web of lies that encapsulates that one thing it's even deeper so it gets even darker and more evil than just what the story reports, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm they, sure, it always does. I'm sure that's how the board members got involved. They probably like, hey, what's this? Give me 40000 I won't say nothing. Yeah. You know, no, it's one need of those some type of things. Definitely some restructuring in that organization. Yeah. So, yeah. And they're, they're founders of the of this church. So, you know, it might be one of those things like mm. Mars Hill where we see it fold totally because... Such a good podcast. Yeah. If you haven't seen the Mars Hill... The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, yeah. Rise and Fall Mars Oh, yeah. my god. They got two more episodes left. It is I'm so, hooked. so good. Yeah. It's, so hooked. Yeah. I listened to it all at one time. Like, I could not turn it off. Mm-hmm. Anyways, all right, I got something for you today. Danny Goki, Angie Rose, do it for love. I'm a witness to your passion. So easy it's hard to fathom. Yeah. One yes for me, and you change everything. The joy is everlasting You pulled me from the dark There's no place to fall You're after my heart The things you do for love You chase me when I run Make up for the times when I'll never be enough The grace that I'll never understand I'll never be deserving of All the things you do for love 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 You do for when I slip and I'm falling, it's my name that you're calling, making new what has become old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, all the times I cried for 
are the times when I'll never be enough. The grace that I'll never understand. I'll never be deserving of all the things you do for love. 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 Cuando paso por las aguas sé que tú estás conmigo Por si acaso estoy hundiendo porque ahí me bautizo Y me levantaré con fe Bailo como David o pelearé como Josué We got a problem, we give it to God Know it ain't even, we beat in the odds Now we gon' add it, doin' the math Yeah, we receive when we learn how to ask Climb a mountain like Moses Please believe you've been chosen And when you pass through the borders No God will walk on the ocean All right, Danny Goki, Angie Rose, do it for love. Do it for love. Shout out to all my Latinos out there. Y'all know I'll be loving me some Latinos. Sandra, I'm going to need you to translate that one rap verse. Okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> Not right now, uh, but she'll work on it. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, Angie Rose, she's kind of popping right now. So uh, nice video. What do you th- say, Pastor Caesar? Monotically? Uh, d- I know this ain't you. It's the, the pop music ain't no, you. No, it's just it's the same chord progression. It's the same oh, you flow. Mean, oh, you mean same. like church music? Yeah, but <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just complain. I'm a complainer. I need Jesus. Yeah. No, it, it's uh, it, the production value is top notch. It's it's uh, what you. Yeah, it's at top. It's Nashville, probably, but it's it's top notch production. The, both the videography, the the music, the the look, the way it was shot, filmed. I mean, it was all spot on. So yeah, they Dan, know what they're doing. Danny Goki, another uh, worship leader, went American Idol. You know, did his thing. I think the worship leaders do so well after American Idol because it's good to see him kind of doing that rather than that that stuff that's just really production, right? Like just to put some filler on the album. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. that. It's a nice change for him. versatility. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right, y'all go check him out. I thought it was a good song. I thought it was better than Pastor Caesar thought it was, <laughs> but we'll keep moving. We'll keep moving. All right, man. So I, I actually called uh, this uh, meeting into session today. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, but I just wanted to talk the last time uh, I, Pastor Daryl was here. Um, I asked him a question about, you know, the importance of his wife being along the side of him in, in uh, ministry. Uh, and I know all, everybody in the room here, um, as far as the pastors, they got somebody powerful next to them. You know, hold them up. Um, and I think it's important to have a wife that can serve along with you, be truthful with you, um, see things that you don't see, watch your back uh, when you're not looking and all those things. And uh, when when I see that with that person, I know how my wife is to me. You know, she's always pointing things out uh, to things that I don't see, because I think a lot of times as a pastor, you have um a softer heart sometimes and you want to love people and you want to allow people in close and and you want to give everybody that you know benefit of the doubt and then you need that that wife that would just like no you got to watch her 
You know, she ain't no good. Um, you That's know. terrible. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you have to have those because there are those people. There are those women that will come sit on the front row with short, short dresses and, 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 and you that know. That has never happened. That's why we're in Kidsmen. <laughs> right, right, That's right. why we're in Children's Ministry. <laughs> That's right. No, it happens because you hear people talk about it. And so I know it hasn't happened to me. No. <laughs> Well, I'm not quite the looker some of these other uh, pastors are. I'm so. applying. <laughs> we have an amazing church, and nobody would do that at our church. No, not at our church, but well, I mean, that's not true. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but some of y'all know who y'all are. Oh, no. No, but I'm just joking. Oh, no. we want names. We want names. No, no we don't. Here, let me write it on this paper and slide it to you. <laughs> They're like, Marcus, I ain't involved in that. I don't want to know nothing. Uh, no, no, but we have to have the, nothing. Yeah, we have to have those people in uh, in in our lives, and, and uh, I know you know I know Miranda didn't want to be here today, but you know, and it's not just in ministry, right? Like, so y'all hold the house down when we're running out the door to minister to other other people. Y'all are there ministering to our families, and and uh, when we come in broken or ran down because of what the ministry, y'all are there to to hold us up and um, and different things like that. So I, that's the reason I wanted to bring you guys in, just to, uh, just to talk a little bit about maybe some of the, the, the good things that, you know, that is, you know, to be a pastor's wife. I don't know if there's any. You know, honestly, I thought you brought us in here because Margaret actually would get Sandra to come in here too. <laughs> that's exactly why he did that. Uh, and for context, I think you did a great job. That's all we need to talk about. <laughs> that's for, right. For context to the listeners, how uh, how long have y'all been married? Both couples. Almost twenty three years. That's right. Yeah, going on twenty three years. You guys. Yeah, same. Almost twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. We've been twenty three. Yeah. That's right. I don't know. Good it's been a long time. Good job, man. <laughs> and you. Six. Six years. Yeah, going on six years. Six yeah. years. Um, so, tell me, like, what, what what do you think is the hardest thing about being a pastor wife? I think one of the hardest parts is just, you know, he's always on call. Yeah. And so, especially when your kids are little and that they at any moment can get a phone call and say, I have to go. Yeah. Yep. And that you have to just be, okay, I've That's got right. it. I don't care that it doesn't matter that both of the kids are crying or that I don't have change to be the tooth fairy tonight. And so we started off with a $5 bill and you're going to be mad at me for the rest of my life because they got $5 for their first tooth. <laughs> you yeah. weren't home. Um, so I think that side of things is just knowing that because of that call that they are always at the drop of a hat. Yes. May have to go. Yeah, and it's hard just when you think about, you can't be angry because they're doing ministry. They're yeah. there to serve and, and you want them to do that. You know, they have a calling on their life and um, you know, it's important what they're doing and you want to support them at all times, but you always feel kind of like you have to be second, take a take a back seat. And so that makes it hard. Yeah, and I, and I think that as pastors, we don't always do it right. You know, I think it's sometimes we get so focused on our calling that we forget that our first calling is our house. Um, and sometimes we get it messed up. We get it out of order. Um, but at the same time, it's tough. It's As a pastor, it's tough to keep them balanced, you know, because 
you know, here at the house, there's four of us, but our ministry, our church is hundreds, you know, so it's hard to keep it, keep that balanced out, especially, I mean, family pastor, youth pastor. It was, it was harder for me when I was youth, youth pastor for sure. Um, because you just have them, we just have them, uh, Is it your a, stomach? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a kid riding his motorcycle down the street. Somebody's Lambo down the street. Uh, yeah, everybody's looking around. What's going on? Um, so it's hard to keep that balance because the ratio is off, right? right. So it, it's sometimes it's tough for for us, and and a lot of times I think that you guys like y'all keep it together for so long, and then you're like, this is enough. Like you, we have to get some attention here, and, and I think we could do a better job by not making y'all sometimes force us to give you the attention other than just like trying to figure it out instead of saying in the name of a a calling. And I think we've been really lucky because we are in children's ministry that we've always been able to do it as a family. And so even though there may have been those nights that dad had to go in a hospital call because somebody was sick on Sunday mornings, we got to not only minister to our kids their entire career in children's and kids men but now they are both at a spot where they have turned around and are serving alongside us and like even this morning daryl didn't have to sit through kids church because our son cooper was able to be in control and take care of it and then when our daughter was like there's 60 kids in here i'm just going to stay in here and help serve because there's so many kids and um i think we've always been really good at helping them understand that this is our ministry and not just dad's. We don't just tag along with dad. We are, I mean, it's part of what God has called our family to do and not just what dad is doing. That's good. That's real good. I think one of the, for me, uh, one of the greatest things for having my wife into ministry with me is like, we're like two totally opposite people. Uh, so we bring two totally different, you know, values to everything and insights and different things like that. Culturally, two different cultures. Um, so that just really gives us a, you know, almost like two people you get, like you said, doing this as a family. And uh, so I think that's a huge value to what we do. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you hear that uh, ministry is likened into a mistress for a lot of pastors and wives and them kind of navigating through that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I could kind of agree with that statement a little bit because, you know, it's, uh, it demands time, attention away from your family, from your wife, from you can't go to little Timmy's baseball game because you are doing something else or you, and you have to do it. That's the call. And, uh, having an understanding wife and I, I have the privilege of having, uh, just a wellspring of of just ministry wisdom in my wife. Um, her dad has always been a pastor since she's been born. So, uh, you know, we um, every time that we do an event, every time that we are organizing something together, I, I rely on her to to give me that that insight that I might not be looking at that how it might be perceived that what's the actual uh, implications of doing something like this from from you know twenty plus years of her actually doing ministry as well so um, yeah no I completely agree with the statements that that, that are being said if without my wife I know that I'm nothing you yeah know? and you're lucky because she's a PK right yeah. like. 
her dad worked 24 hour shifts at the fire department and all those things so she's used to you know him not being there so she, she kind of got trained up to be a, a, a pastor's wife um Sandra not so you know sometimes she wants she wants me to be here and, and you know she she's in a high stress job and those type of things so when she's when she's home she's like hey I need you here sometimes. She told you she's in a high-stress job? She is. I totally support you, Cinder. Thank you, Margaret. I've seen her stress at work. It is. I think they like lattes and different things, and they're just (laughs) chilling, and they're coming home. and like. Margaret Margaret tells me all she does is sit around and play Uno all day. (laughs) Uno for the children so that they can learn how to speak and say their R's. And so much more. (laughs) Another thing is I'm a very more of a big picture like here's an idea you know this is what I have and then Sandra comes in and she like kills it on the details you know uh, she makes it happen uh, so without that I'm just standing there going away we're gonna have an awesome event yeah but who's gonna do all the work you but know what about yeah so um, what do you think some of the the benefits are There ain't no benefits in this thing. I mean, you're married to me. That's right. That's (laughs) the best. No no benefits? Going to Cabo in a couple of... See, y'all got some good We need to get, we need to get, become a, a part of the denomination. They're like going all over the world and <laughs> yeah, stuff. They travel like, a lot. Yeah, in the name of ministry. I don't That's understand. Right. It's a friend a, for the Lord on the beach in Cabo. Yeah. <laughs> This whole non-denominational See, thing ain't I've working gone to out. Discovery camp on some uh, very thin mattresses, mm-hmm. hard on the back. These uh, are the benefits. These are the benefits. <laughs> <laughs> IBC in San Antonio. Shout out to oh, with the with the, the tarantulas and stuff. Up. With the tarantulas, yeah. When you scorpions at North Texas camp. Nice. Yeah. One year, Carissa found a dead bird under her bed. Oh, under yeah? Her bunk, yeah. Shout yeah. out, Carissa. Yeah. Probably been worse if it was alive. <laughs> Can you imagine waking up to that in the middle of the night? No. Um, the, pro- the, the, problem with that, the problem with that was the young adults went up there the weekend before to clean up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, y'all, y'all planted it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's no, you don't have no benefits? I mean, we. it's great to work together and in ministry. You know, that's a benefit. Just heavenly benefits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all. I think one of the things that she's mentioned in the past that kind of is not a benefit, but it's kind of one of those things like the kids say, like, everybody knows us, but we don't know everybody. You know, it's one of those things for being that, that talking head on the stage that everybody knows you. So you can't you can't have an off night. You can't have a, like. Bad hair day. A bad hair day, or excuse me, lady that just keeps running over your heels in the line at, you know, at whatever convenience store or whatever, and you're just like, come on, back up. But everybody knows you, and they're like, oh, yeah, Pastor David, right? You know, those type of things, or, oh, that's that's Sister Sandra, that's Pastor David's wife. See, but you guys aren't here in Mont Bellevue. Like, at least you don't live in the town. Yeah, not no more. (laughs) We were part of the community for a long time until we came here. Yeah, but my job takes care of that, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but they don't look at you guys like, for me, it, we go to the store and yeah. there's going to be church people. Yeah. I mean, and it's not as bad here as when we lived in Lubbock. Lubbock was the worst because it was, the church was so big that we honestly didn't, couldn't know everybody. Right. Uh-huh. And I would have kids come up to me at 
school and be like, you did such a great job this weekend, Pastor uh, Miss Margaret. And I just love the song that you sang. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Aww. And then the next week, you'd be like, I was there. And I was like, where were you sitting? Front row center. I'm like, <laughs> Really? Really? <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Glad you were there. Still have no idea. No idea who he was. Yeah, that's tough in a big church. Like, we're right there. Like, you can almost, if you don't know them, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, and any but if he gets any bigger, it's going to be one of those things that like, oh, nice to meet you. Is your first day here? One of those type of things. Now we've been coming here for seven years, mm-hmm. uh, which is tough if you ever done that. Um, what about like spiritually um, working as a team? Is is that one of those things that sometimes gets in a funny place, or it's just like one of those uh, things that you've seen it help grow grow the relationship? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> see, we're we're but we're we're not the normal. We don't have the normal job that when you think about pastor's wife and pastors, because even when you talk about like getting up in front of the people, like lots of people don't you know they don't even know who Margaret is. That's right. I like it like that <laughs> because she because I'm not in main service except for once a month, if that. Yeah. And they did start putting me on the announcements. So. Yeah, so she does announcements at our church now, but that's that we've been there for three and a half years before so that you, happened. You're going to become, oh, that's... That's Margaret's that's husband. That's Mar- Margaret's husband. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, we, do them, we do them together. Yeah, but it's the two of us. It's, and it's, but it's one of those things for us because, and that has always been the thing for us with children's ministry, is the fact that it was always... Um, it was a different beast because we were behind, we were on our own island. We were mm-hmm. on our own world. Mm-hmm. Behind closed locked doors. Yeah, behind closed locked doors, sometimes even with a police officer standing at those doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it changes the way the way stuff is really thought of in um, for us and the way we do things. And it's not the normal, people don't see her as the same as the other, other pastor's wives. Right, like if you don't have a kid in kids' church, you, I could be walking down the hall and they have no idea who I am. Yeah. Margaret gets asked, hey, are you new here? <laughs> I mean, there Can was you one this time. Card? Yeah, there was one time that we were at a church and I rolled, it was in, a, it was a hallelujah night and um, their little fall festival. And I walked in with both of my kids and we were really, I mean, we were pretty new. Um, but I walked in and I was like, hey guys. And I just walked right past the registration table. They're like, I'm, excuse me, ma'am, you need to register. I'm like, hi, I'm Margaret Wicker, Pastor Daryl's wife. They're like, Oh, oh, okay. We're so sorry. <laughs> she, she straight up through the, do you know who I am? Right, right, right. <laughs> hey, you can get all of my information off the payroll. <laughs> right. No, those people didn't have access to the payroll. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think, I think that, and you can speak on this a little bit. I think that us serving together has really helped us not, not only like in the marriage aspect, but like be, being best friends because not only do we do life together kids together but we serve together and all those things so uh, it's really helped us grow as friends not only you know as husband and wife has you know all those things absolutely i agree with that 100 <laughs> percent. can you love me i am team pastor david oh. <laughs> biggest cheerleader ever uh, but i do agree i mean and one of my i love quality time and i love to be able to just spend time with him and like even today we had to take uh, our speaker to the airport and so I rode in the car and we talked all the way there and then we went and got some lunch and went on the way back and but um I do like to spend all my time with him so 
I like to say I'm a codependent introvert and um, <laughs> be with my person all the time. <laughs> I, had, I had this one, uh, they're, they're a newer couple. They've been coming out for about a year now, but they're one of the newer couples on staff. And he came up to me the other day and uh, he wanted to know how uh, how I was doing, how me and my wife were doing and all that. And you know, if we were well and all that. Um, we just uh, recently announced that we're having our second child. It's a Congratulations. Little, thank you. Little baby girl. Um, and he said, well, I was going to ask you, but apparently you're doing really well. <laughs> and uh, it was really funny because he said, uh, he said, yeah, I, I don't, I don't ever really see y'all just kind of being affectionate or anything toward each other. I don't even know if y'all like each other. <laughs> and, and uh, I, I laughed. I still laugh. Shout out David. Yes, we love each other. <laughs> but, uh, 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 David Perez, avid listener. So thank you for listening, bro. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was so funny. Um, but sp- to speak. Speak on what y'all are talking about. You are so busy in the work that you almost don't become a human in the eyes of other people that don't see all the background work. You're just the workhorse. You're the and, and to think, oh no, wait, wait a minute. They're they're also human. They they have marriages. They have kids. They have all these other things. And uh, and that's just yeah. I guess that's just the nature of the beast. See, I think people are. I think actually people are a whole lot more aware of that now than when we started because we've been doing this for 25 years mm. and I think when we first started I think people were very much it was just like I can think back to even different pastors that I was like hey I'm going to work I'm going to raise up leaders so I don't have to be in kids church I don't, I'm going to raise up teams that I don't have to do these things and I had one pastor that looked at me and he was like straight up just no you're not I'm paying you to be back there and but and then even still people in our church like there was people there's been people that they don't they don't they didn't care there was like you're we're you're you're we pay you you're you're our servant basically um but nowadays i think the churches that we've worked in lately i think more people realize that hey these people they need to get away they need to have moments they need to have date nights they need to have somebody's and we're blessed that our kids are big and we don't need we don't need babysitters anymore we just walk out the door and be like see y'all see y'all later um a couple more years (laughs) can't wait and so that changes that makes a lot easier for us but i honestly think that the people today they kind of see that better than they ever did before Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Well, let me ask both of y'all this, since I got both of y'all here. Well, the set of y'all. Um, how important is it for you to have friends outside of the church that you are working uh, in, or the community that you're working in? Very. Very important. Very important. <laughs> we just got a fist bump, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's super important because, man, no matter what it is, like, so we got a, we got our group of friends, like our core group of friends at church. At the end of the day, I'm still their pastor. Mm-hmm. Even though that I'm their friend, uh, some of them are my best friends. At the end of the day, they still look to me as their past as a pastor role in some area of their life. So, you know, with people like well, I'm not even name names. There's certain people I can just totally up you know open up to, but some of them are looking for me to be strong for them, even mm-hmm. as close friends. So it's hard just to say, hey man these people or this situation, whatever it may be, I'm really, really struggling with because they might be that in that, that mindset where 
that need to be me to be strong at that point because they're going through something so much worse. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's really good to have somebody just to be able to just to talk about whatever. And you know, since they don't go to your church, it's not going to get back to anybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and we yeah. used to be part of a group um, called the Gathering, and um, it was from pastors all over the all over the city. We would gather at a restaurant. And we would just talk about different things like that, struggles in the church that were going on, and they would bring somebody just to talk about some section of struggle for pastors or whatever. It was really good, but it wasn't as personable as it needed to be, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really have to have those connections where you can, you know, sit down and just talk, you know. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we actually started a, another version of that at one point because. I mean, as open as I am with with people, um, sometimes I just like to take my shoes off, let my hair no, not let my hair down, <laughs> uh, and just just be me, me, not Pastor David. Sometimes I don't want to be Pastor David, you know. Mm-hmm. I just want to be me and hang out and cut up and tell an off color joke if I want to. Not that necessarily I would, but if I want to, I could. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and so, what color would that be? Somebody's triggered right now. Careful, careful. I'm not telling you any colors or pronouns or any of that. No. Pastor Caesar, he, him. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Wow. It took a turn. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Pastor Darrell? Let's bring it back. So for me, I will say it is extremely important to have friends outside of the church and also... um, to be perfectly honest, whenever I met Margaret, because um, we work together. And by the way, Margaret is a white version of Sandra. It's so true. <laughs> She's the redheaded me. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Margaret. But when I met Margaret, like the first time we met, I just was like... Oh, this girl, she's something special. And I mean, in a good way, like, uh, but we've been able to talk to each other about, you know, just mm-hmm. some things that you would normally share with Basically how we're annoying is what I think. It no, was. it is not. It's <laughs> totally Let me just tell you what Daryl did. <laughs> no, it's not actually. Um, but just because we've had some of the same experiences and, you know, gone through some, some of the similar, some similar things. And when you're in ministry, you go, you go through ups and downs and you experience things that most, the average person wouldn't be able to relate to. So when you find someone that speaks that language and you can just pour your heart out and then know you can trust that person, it is the most valuable thing you can find. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's not even about the issues you're going through, but it's like maybe the issues that we're dealing with and they need like that outlet for those mm-hmm. things or bounce stuff off of each other where like, okay, my husband's going through this and they were like, oh yeah, we've been there before. And then they're better equipped to come back to us and say, hey, we can encourage you in this area. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, I think that's super important. Yeah. I mean, and we've had those friends that, you know, are just like, okay, we had a small group once that one couple was just like, we can't hear about the inner workings of the church. Right. Because we can't handle it. It's too much for us. So Mm -hmm. if, when we're at small group, don't talk about anything that is, I mean, it's church related, but not like. Right. The the workings of the church. Yeah. And once you pull the curtain back. It's hard to go. Oh, you can't unsee it. You right, can't unsee yeah. it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're all people, 
and there's that curtain there that just like like that fa- the false floor or whatever it may be that people think everybody all the pastors in the church are like you know the pope or whatever it may be or some nun or or whatever it is if you just knew how often david has to dump phrases on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> right you have that bleep button edit 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 um, but it's it's tough, you know. Um, and church is not as fun when you're on that side of the curve. Yeah, yeah it is not at all. Not yeah, at I was all. having a conversation with a couple young adult leaders that we have, and I was telling them that the higher you ascend on that hill of leadership, the smaller your social circle gets. Yeah, and uh, everybody wants to be your friend, but not everybody is your friend. And as you keep on going up and up then you're, it's going to be limited to one or two people and you can really confine it. And it gets lonely up there. So you yeah. need to have healthy outlets and on how to, uh, how to get nourished yourself, how to get fed. Because if, if you're not working from the overflow, and that's something you said before, if you're not working right. from the overflow, you're going to burn out. Yeah. And that's not what God called us to do. And that's why you, why you see the failures at the top, right? Because they, they, they build this platform where they isolate themselves because they don't have anybody they can talk to or they choose not to talk to anybody and then that's when the enemy comes in and says okay you did the work for me you isolated yourself now i'm gonna come in i'm gonna ravish your life yeah right so we have to have those people in our life Uh, let me ask this question how do you support and encourage your husband in in ministry i show up yeah that's that's huge, right? That's huge. Knowing that you're going to be there, they can just turn and say, "Hey, can you go take care of this for me or whatever?" Or just knowing that when you wake up in the morning, even if you go to bed and you're not seeing eye to eye, that you're still going to be there. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and I think I think one of the things for me is how do you stay passionate as a pastor's wife? When you know, like, the other side of the curtain, when you know maybe that the leadership is not treating or the church, not even leadership, but the church is really not treating you, your husband, the right way, but you still have to stay, you know, passionate about ministry and passionate about the church. And when you when you know, you just want to go up and punch somebody in the nose, you know? I've never felt that before. You liar. You told me. You, name no. names. I'll start naming names right no. now. Ultimately, it's because it's not about those things. The reason we do what we do is not about any of that. You know, you just keep your eye on what it's really about. And that's sharing Christ with people and drawing them in, into a relationship with Christ. If you keep that at the forefront... You have to be able to forgive all the rest. Even if you have though, right? a, a moment of, you know, throat punching. Say, yeah. Yeah. Just want to karate chop somebody, but. Just like that shirt that you have in the closet. I'm not talking about the shirt. <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody about the shirt. <laughs> have you ever, do y'all know who Angela Johnson is? Yes. <laughs> Well, she has a church, and the no, she doesn't have a oh, church. She don't have a church. <laughs> <laughs> she has she a has shirt. A comedy bit. Yeah, and she has a shirt that goes along with it that says, I love Jesus, but I will punch a hoe. <laughs> I may or may not own that shirt. She owns that shirt. Not that she I've never it. worn it, and My I did not bought purchase it. it. But uh, I won't let her wear it outside. 
You should totally let her wear it. <laughs> oh. No. And we're having a whole different conversation on one of these podcasts. No. <laughs> what about you guys? How do y'all stay, like, passionate about, you know, when you know or feel, you know, that people are not treating him the, the way that you think he should be treated and... How do you stay passionate for those same people? I think that's the same thing is that I know that it's about pointing people to Jesus and that's that right. that's really our ultimate goal. And Indeed.com. Indeed.com. <laughs> dot com. No. Um, and there have been a couple of times where he's like, "We're it's time for us to move on. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. We're not ready. And then something will happen and I'll be like, oh, yep, yep, yep. Time to go. It's time, it's time to, to go. go. Like I, there was one point where there was a church we were working at, and I remember the we were we had witnessed different people in their community, mm-hmm. and we had told people about Jesus, but we could not invite them to our church. We didn't feel comfortable inviting them to the church that we worked at. Mm-hmm. And at that point was the point that I looked at her and I said, "We we've got to go." Yeah, we can't. We can't. I and it was mainly because I couldn't trust my pastor. To preach in a way that that person would be discipled appropriately. Mm. And when it came to that point, I was just like, hey, this is, it's time. Mm. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? And that, yeah. And that one was. Yeah, that one wasn't a hard one for you to move. No. That one wasn't. I'm like, let's go. And see, like those conversations, those are the conversations you can only have with your spouse. Yeah. Or, you know, and and it's, and people just. you, You have to find, and I'll be honest, I'm blessed. I know not very many pastors have as many pastor friends that are close as I do. Yeah. And I mean, I really am. And I think I talked last time about my buddies that were, that we, we go, we travel together, we go to different things and, um, we text daily. Um, it's literally, there's, when you consider that for me, that's been a blessing for me, Mm -hmm. but I would also say that you've got your spouse and then you have your five, six guys that you can really, truly say, Hey, this is where I'm at. I need y'all to pray for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I need you to give me some wisdom or you may go to them even and say, Hey, I don't, I don't want you to hear from what my opinion is on this. I need you to hear from God on this, on what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And then you can come tell me what God's telling you about me. Right. Um, because those are the moments when you're seriously have to sit back and look at it and say, okay, this is, these are the guys that are, these are the guys that matter. Yeah. Yeah. How do you manage burnout together? Like, because we all go burnout. through Burnout, what's burnout? So I, <laughs> I have a very, I have a very not popular opinion about burnout. Is that a good way to put it? Sure. Um, I don't believe. Hot sports opinion? It is a hot sports opinion. Okay. And tell me, tell me, tell me if you track me on this. I believe that if you are truly passionate about something, you will never burn out of that thing. Now, I believe that people that claim burnout, a lot of times the things that they get tired of or they get frustrated at, it's because they're doing the things that God has not called them to do or the things that they are not passionate about. And so it's not burnout. It's as much, it's more of a, hey, I'm not doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Our, our pastor shared the same uh, a couple months ago now, he, yeah, he I shared mean, the same thought. So, so it frustrates me when people just say, oh, well, I'm burnt out. Well, the problem is not the fact that you're burnt out. The problem is you're doing things that you're not supposed to be doing or the things you're not passionate about. And I can, I can get that for sure. 
um, because I know I was there when I was a youth pastor the last um, year or so youth pastor. I knew that I, w- I was supposed to be doing something else, right? And I, I felt like I was pretty sure that the Lord had put it on my heart that Caesar was supposed to be the youth pastor. And, um, but I was already past like, man, I, I needed to bounce, you know, I was just getting to that point. I was temporary youth pastor or interim youth pastor for how many years? You know, I started this thing out as interim and then it just kept going and going and going, which was great. I was, I was called to be the youth pastor, but then Caesar was about to get married, you know, so we needed to give them time to settle in and get married and all this. So I was definitely burned out probably because I was ready to move on. Um, but there was times, ups and downs that, especially as you pastor, like, I don't, maybe burnout's not the right word. Maybe it's just sheer exhaustion. Sheer exhaustion <laughs> because, I mean, you've been running for as soon as, you know, a month before summer starts, like you're full blast camps, retreats. No, it starts in December. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Devo, you know, <laughs> Devos during the summer, yeah. all those things. It's just, and then when you're, um, when you do it bivocationally, uh, man, it is tough. You know, it, it, it really is tough because I know when I was youth pastor, I was doing 50, 55, sometimes 60 or 70 hours a week at my job and then still trying to figure out how to do you know, youth pastor and stuff like that. Uh, so I think for me, the bivocational things probably a little bit easier to get burned out than... Um, not saying that y'all have it easier or anything, oh, no. that, but uh, it's just to have just an, another layer on top of oh, it. Oh, and, and I agree because I mean I remember there's been times we're the, like, and I think I talked about this last time is that we've done bivocational, we've done all of it. Right. It's just a, it's a totally different deal, and so you have, you just have to totally balance what it is that all the things around you, and like I can't imagine the stress in that. And I think there's, I almost wish there's a lot of guys that I wish they would go by vocational for a season because I think yeah. it would, I think they would learn a ton. Yeah. Um, because I, I know talking with different guys, they're like, oh, that guy, he keeps asking me to do the, all this stuff, but yet he doesn't understand. I work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, and then I have to come, then I spend my Sunday at church, and then I have my, my Saturday is my only day to do stuff, and then, what you know, he still wants me to do this and this and this. And, you know, I think we as pastors that are full-time, we have to be very, very careful with that because it's so many guys that are out there that we're pushing to that extent, and mm-hmm. they don't know they don't know what to do. They and they're like, hey, and what it it ends up being, it makes it very difficult for those people to serve under you. Yeah, right. For sure. Right. One on on what you were talking about as well. I was having another conversation, separate conversation, about ministry mismanagement because that can exist. You're called to do something, but then if you're mismanaging it then you're going to feel the effects of it as well. And that will come in the form of, you know, I don't know, something that go, that slips through the cracks, uh, uh, people that you felt a disciple that now are starting to become an issue. And, yeah. and then you have to come home with that dealing with, and you're talking with your spouse and you're saying, oh, so-and-so, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not married and they're living together. They're this and that. It's like, well, you let them. You know, you let them serve, you let them help, you let them do this. And those are those things that will keep you up at night, that will get you in a argument with your spouse. Have y'all, I'm sure y'all have, because Marina and I, but whenever we're, we're uh, 
a long day of planning and programming. We just kind of sit down, we're laying in bed, and we just look at each other and we say, people have no idea. No idea. They have no idea. Yeah, and I think that bringing that part of it up, especially bivocational, is like your wife comes in like extra hard on those things you know I know Marina she's like the calendar you know girl she's keeping the calendar making sure you're showing up she's like your personal secretary and all those things making sure you show up and do the things on time and not double booking and all those things I know because she used to do it for me too right <laughs> um, so she's just great at that piece and then you know Sandra's always done that, that same thing for me just fill in the holes whatever it is and I think that's the greatest part of uh having just a, a wife that will serve in any role is you don't even have to say anything right you're like oh man there's a hole there and then they're already sliding in picking you know yeah, filling in super hole. interesting thing that uh, you bring up there marina whenever we were dating and stuff she would even before that she told me that she always prayed that god would not allow her to marry a preacher and people are like, what? You know, when we tell them that story, and it's like, well, you also got. She tried too. Yeah, she tried. She tried. Oh not to yeah, let no, you no, in. she shot my plane down in a hardcore. But that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> but but in that, it, it, she says that from a place of well, she she's lived through it. She's seen the effects of it of what can happen in a family, and and how you know dad isn't always available. That the, the dad is kind of like community dad. He has to be dad to everybody. He has to be big brother to everybody. He's got to be pastor to everybody. And you don't want to share that. Yeah. You don't want to share that. And, um, you know, I, I feel for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me if there's a, a young couple coming up and they have a calling on their life. And um, what would you tell... What would you tell a <laughs> Daryl's like run? Uh, what would you tell the wife or the you know the fiance that's about to start dealing with this thing and just give him some advice? Wow, um, what do you say? I mean, it's going to be Pray. the ride of your life. There's going to be a lot of highs and a lot of lows, and just you know you're going to have to always go back to the the moment that God called you to be in that position and always uh, remember and keep that at the forefront because it's it's a lot of work, but there's a lot of blessing that comes along with it as well. Um, you know, so many experiences that you'll have and just witnessing, you know, God impacting someone's life and changing their life and knowing that you had a small part in it is very rewarding. But at the same time, it takes a lot of sacrifice, not only from you personally, but when you start having kids, your kids have to sacrifice. And, you know, it's it's a it's a difficult road, I think. But if God's called you to be in that place, he will equip you to do and go through the things that you're going to be facing yeah i think one of the great things that i want you to to, to kind of uh, talk about a little bit too is we sit in church and then we're like oh they were our youth and look at them now they're serving here and they're doing that or they're getting married and they're doing these things and they're just doing some awesome yeah. things for god and we're just like you have a lot of proud mama and papa moments yeah, it was like worth that late kids. night it was worth taking our vacation to go to youth camp and you know we we never took a vacation. When we first got married, we couldn't afford a vacation. And then when we could afford a vacation, we had to take our vacation to do youth camp, fall retreats, all those things. Um, 
and then looking back, you go, it was worth it. Absolutely. It was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. You look around the room and, and see. And then even a lot of the ones that left church and, you know, because after youth, you lose a percentage of them and then they come back and you go, it was worth it, you know, because you would just hope like they would hear your voice when they were doing something they weren't supposed to be doing or that <laughs> message, you know, because they would always come back. Well, not always, but you would have them come back to church. And so, you know, Pastor David, that that one message that you preached, it stuck with me forever. And I don't even remember the message. You know, I have to go back in my file and pull it up to see what I said, just because it must have been some great impacting word. Right. And it was just, no, it was just like the worst message that I ever wrote, but it was like just a you <laughs> right want, message for them, right message for that time. You know, Mario, what would you tell them? Just about advice. If yeah. Starting in pray, pray a lot, a lot. Um, and then, you know, just be willing to listen and because you do go through those times. I mean, you go through times that people won't like your husband and they'll tell you about it and you just have to be like, mm, oh, sorry tell that about story. that. Tell that story. Tell that story? Okay. So there was one Wednesday night. Daryl put night. his headphones back on for that. <laughs> <laughs> there was one Wednesday night we were at a church and we had kind of befriended and it kind of goes back to that whole friends who can handle being friends with the pastor kind of idea. Um, we had kind of befriended them. I made them a pie for Thanksgiving. Took so it over nice. to their house. Um, and then something just happened and flipped the switch. Um, her daughter felt called into the ministry. So Daryl was like, Hey, let me take you under my wing and guide you and teach you all the things. And the mom was like, Oh no, absolutely not. How could you possibly make a living being a pastor? Um, and then one Wednesday night, she like verbally accosted him in front of like right after Wednesday night dinner. Because at that church, we had dinner every Wednesday night in the gym. And she just was yelling about how she hated him and couldn't stand him. And then she walked up to me after she was yelling, done yelling at my husband. I was like, let me guess. You told her, I love Jesus, but I will punch a hole. No, I didn't say anything to her. She just walked up to me and said, I can't be your friend anymore because I hate your husband. Wow. Hate. That's a strong and I was word. Like, Don't make me pull up the Bible verses, people. And I was like. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but maybe it's just best that we don't hang out with each other. Wow. So, I mean, understand that. That's very civilized. Yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, so you just have to understand that, you know, you're not, you can't please everybody. No. And that there are going to be people who disagree and that they're going to say snotty things and just, you're just going to have to roll with the punches. And That's right. Water off a duck's back and whatever other idiom that you can think of. That just take it and go. You know, I think it's encouraging because I had this this uh, mother came up and she, I wasn't even a youth pastor yet. I was just serving under a youth pastor. And she come and she blamed me for everything that her son ever did. That I have an hour and a half with them and I don't know why you haven't fixed them yet. You know? Uh, all these different things about how terrible we were as youth pastors and leaders and all those different things. And she's hated. I don't want to say hated. She doesn't like but She hasn't liked me for a long, long time. I, I guess ever since that. Because, you know, I'm not one to sit back and take that type of, you know, I'll usually bark back at you. But I don't know if I did that time. Uh, I think I was so shocked that she was telling me that I was responsible for raising her son uh, I th- you know th- I think all I said was hey 
I get them an hour and a half. You y'all get them, you know, the rest of the week. <laughs> um, but like not too long ago, walking, you know, I'm looking for Sandra and I see Sandra talking to this lady at the table, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> it's her. It's her. Let me go. <laughs> Let me go rescue her, you know, because she's only getting after her because of me, you know, because I said the wrong thing on the you know the podium or whatever it is. So I go over there and it's like a different person singing my praises and stuff. And I'm just like, it was all positive. It was all positive. So I think like sometimes, you know, they're in a place. It's not necessarily what you're doing. But it's something that they're going through and they're dealing with. And maybe she's dealt with, uh, you know, some pastor boyfriend that was making $27,000 a year and she wasn't going to marry him or something. I don't know. Uh, but it's it's tough sometimes. It's funny because uh, you could still hear how careful we all are about really you know, unraveling our true feelings nah. and all of these things. I'm not going to do it either. <laughs> no, not, not right, either. So let me no. tell you this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, we're not naming names here. No, I'll name names. No. Go ahead. <laughs> See, but uh, I can tell you, and here's what I would say the one thing that Margaret, I think you would tell people too, is try to develop your best poker face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still not super good at it. She's not good at it at all. Yeah, I'm not really good at it at all. I don't deal well with stupid people. Like, just. <laughs> this is why I love Margaret. <laughs> That's I'm the like, same thing she says. I'm like, just get over it. Move on with your life and let it go. Yeah, See, I, I love that real quick. Let me just, just pause that right there because I, I love that. <laughs> right? Um, the church where we're at now wasn't my first church. I came from another church that was a big organization, had plenty of churches everywhere. And the those that were in ministry, you can see the line between reverends, pastors, and the church. It was a very, very thick line. It wasn't even a fight. It was a thick line that was drawn there. And all of the wives that would go to seminary and all of that... They were all expected to act like the senior pastor over the entire organization, like her wife, his wife. Oh, 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 oh hey, pronouns. Pronouns. His you, wife. You went Methodist on us all of a sudden. <laughs> I can work on that for you. Yeah. Let me take off this clergy collar. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but they were all expected to act like her. And this was the bubbly, never has a bad day super welcoming and like you know what I mean a liar oh these two would have been in trouble most people think I hate them my wife would be in the same camp you know and and I've had people say hey what's wrong with your wife and I'm like what's wrong with you same (laughs) you know it's, it's like she's just not social yeah that, I, mean, that's that, a, I mean not everybody should, you know we're not Elon we're not used to that right because no. for 30 something years we've uh, had mostly serious very back row sitting type you know pastor's wife all of them all of them. in my recollection all of them from, yeah. from pastor on to where we're at now yeah right and it's they're all very matter of fact you can only get a few words out of them and uh, I know they prefer that, you know, but I always thought that that's something that where we kind of lie in the whole church environment, it's very different everywhere else. Because then you find the bubbly, hi, how are you doing? 
right. sitting on the front row. Everybody, stand up, stand up, honey. Tell everybody hi. You know that type of thing. And no, that's not. No, I'll get no. stabbed in the head oh, yes. if I, if I mm-hmm. yeah, I do that. No, well, I end up like that. That uh, that dentist that ran over her husband three times in the parking lot or whatever, <laughs> right there in the church parking lot. So, so how do you, how do y'all deal with that whenever people's because I would think that y'all encounter that at least once or twice when people's expectation of the pastor's wife is to be you know miscongeniality. She struggles with it a little bit. I tell them, I don't care. Let them think what they want to think. And she was just like, that's easier for you to say because you don't care. But she cares, so it's a little bit. Margaret doesn't care. I don't care. <laughs> She cares. I care. She cares what I think. Absolutely. She cares what I mean. I, I know you care about what I think, but <laughs> she cares too much about how I what I say and what if she thinks that it affects the whole family. Well, I know it affects the whole family, but I don't know. What am I trying to say? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think. Are you trying to say that she's concerned that the people's perception of her will color their perception of you, or the other way around, or the other way around? Yeah. For sure, what he does. Because <laughs> right? I'm a loose cannon. Exactly. What he says. <laughs> yeah, because I don't always. I'm not PC. I'm not your typical, you know, overly saved pastor that's gonna. I mean, that might be a terrible thing to say, but I'm just. I'm it's, a, but it's I, true. Though. I'm a real guy. Like, yeah. I've, I haven't always been a pastor. You know, this is just the other side of the road for he's me. Like, he's like, I'm, bi- I'm bivocational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my other job is a gangster. I don't, I don't need this job. I got another job. But I just came from a different place in life, and God has brought me through some real things and some real, uh, real places. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just use those things and those places that God has brought me through to be real to people. And I think that's why I connect with so many people, especially in, in our church, because a lot of people come from the same place. So so how does that how does that work for you, like, trying to... I just feel like it has... And I, I deal with it through my job. I have a, I'm a public servant at my job. When, you know, I work... They often it sounds like a garbage truck the person or something. pay your salary, so you have to be very careful what what you put out there. I don't have social media for that reason, because I could have a really bad moment where I put something out there and then regret it, and get called into the superintendent's office to discuss my comments. So I feel like it makes Just me wait till he hears this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like it makes me a very guarded person. I'm not, I feel like I'm not allowed to just be me because of my job and also because of ministry. I have to be very careful. So a lot of people feel like they never get to know the real me because I am very guarded. I have a very small, tight circle of people who get to see me, quote unquote, let my hair down and just kind of be myself. And that's. Or put your hair up like last Halloween when you was Mark Simpson. <laughs> right. Yeah. You made me do that. Yeah. So pretty awesome. That's not me either. But I like when she But being up. married to him has <laughs> being married to him has, you know, put me in some situations that I would have nor- normally never put myself in. Like being on a podcast? Like being on a podcast tonight. Or when we went to that Easter egg hunt on the Highland Clark baby <laughs> all to my all my people at Highland Clark out there we was I was like bro they put me in we went out there and served right because I used to have a, a hip hop label 
and we did hip hop music. So I, I took her to all the black churches all over the city. You know, well, they put me as parking intended. <laughs> I don't know if they just needed an extra cone so everybody can see me or what, but there wasn't one black person trying to listen to me tell them where to park. I'll tell you that right now. No, they're just like, nah, you know who I am? I'm parking over there. I'm like, no, they told everybody park right here and they were just like, you know, swinging in. And But anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Just in those unique situations that I would have never volunteered for, I would have never signed up for. But anyways, it's just, it's hard to try to just be, just do me, because I do care, and I I want everybody to love you, and I want everybody to love me, but not in the weird way, just, you know, I just consider myself a very likable person if you just give me a chance. And I'm like, either you love me for who I am, or whew, there's another streak for somebody else that, you know, you can love, so I don't know. Yeah. I have a problem with that. Is that a bad but, thing? A little bit. It is. <laughs> well, I just, I don't know I don't how to be so. anything but authentic. And that's who I am. And I'm, I tried to be better. Y'all had met me 10 years ago. I was not as nice as I am now, right? She's like, yes. Right. So I yeah, try to be authentic. But for the people at home that don't understand, the, the, the whole tension between that is, yes, you're struggling to be your full authentic self, but then whenever your full authentic self might be a hindrance to bring somebody into the family, into yeah. into the church, that's whenever you have to tone it back. And then that's when you get people to say, well, I don't want to live my life like you because you're all, y'all always walking around eggshells. Well, that's a very immature statement to say. And they don't understand the goal and that's in mind here. And just bringing people uh, into the family of God, discipling them and all of that. And with with that, right, you uh, you got this dynamic now, husband and wife, and, and nobody wants to see each other hurt. A uh, husband doesn't want to hear a negative comment about the wife. The wife doesn't want to hear a negative comment about the husband. And then you're just there. Uh, uh, you're there almost have to take it, like what you're talking about. Like, I, I want them to be liked. And, you know, I want my wife to be loved. And... Um, and that's not always the case, yeah. but but that's uh, you know it kind of feels like this podcast kind of feels like uh, you know pastor venting, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean, like yeah. therapy. Um, but it's uh, just just giving you our listeners, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, just kind of giving you some context about this stuff. Uh, everybody in this room, even though I've just met the Wickers, I mean they're genuine Wickers, right? Wickers, yes, yes. Wickers. that's a T. Wickert. Like a wicker basket with Spell a Spell it. W-I-C-K-E-R-T. Ah. Wicker. Oh, okay. All right. Well, very genuine, right? Very, very yes. genuine. And, 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 and uh, you, you know, you don't get this everywhere, especially yeah. whenever you're talking about ministry and people in ministry. Everybody always feels like they have to put on a face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can just be your authentic, genuine self with that maturity of knowing I got to bring people in, that's what's so important. And that's, I think, what a lot of uh, my wife and I, we don't argue much at all. Uh, I fact, don't argue at, either. She argues. No, no, but we. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. The uh, I had this one preacher guy uh, describe it this way: is that we've had we don't fight. We have intense moments of fellowship. Very intense. Right? <laughs> and and I, I would agree to that. Sometimes we have some very intense moments of fellowship, but what it always centers around is... Sex. 
<laughs> no, we're pregnant. We're good at this. Uh, um, it's it's on how to deal with everybody else. It's always somebody else's thing and not our own thing. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm more of the sex guy. <laughs> As Sandra rolls her eyes and yes, her yes, yes. All right, listen. We talked about like you said. We kind of talked about some venting type stuff, but at the end of the day, man, this is what we love you know um, it is is what we love what we want to do what we're called to do Um, and if I would have to say something to that like that next generation coming up and doing it there is a lot of those struggles but the man it is so beautiful on this side too it's so beautiful to to speak into the lives of people and um, for them to love you for the change that God is making in it and you really don't have anything to do with it. You're just following the passion that God has put into your heart to love people. Yeah. Um, it's probably the most amazing thing about the whole mm. thing, you mm. know. Because we got wives here. I want to know this one. How do you manage your husband's pride if he has any? Now, that went away a long time ago. <laughs> I think Sandra has to manage the opposite yeah. of, of me not feeling enough. Mm-hmm. I know, agree with that. Daryl has that too. Being enough, um, so she really does a really good job and encourages me. Even though, like, if even to the, you, know, you just talking about it. <laughs> See, Encur- about encouraging you. Yeah, and you know, well, uh, in about my- pride because you don't have to deal with pride. I don't think. No, too. no, I don't I, have to deal with pride, but I do try to encourage you and, and remind you that you know. You're, you're gifted at the, the things that you do and, you, you know, you doubt yourself sometimes and just have to be the voice to remind you that, you know, you're, you're doing the right thing and you're called to do what you're doing and that it makes a difference and, you know, just always support you. I'm always there whether I've heard that message before or you make me listen to it in the car 12 times or, you know, I'm, I'm there for all of it. Right. You know, I think there's a difference for us, you and I specifically, and probably even you, Caesar, because of the um, we're not the senior pastor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you're going to find more of that from the guys who are like running the show mm-hmm. that they're that, that they're the guys up in front of everybody. I think for people in our roles, and like I'm a career associate pastor. I mean, there's no. I, very the moments I, I'm, I'm at joke that the only time I ever feel called to be a senior pastor is when I'm mad at my senior pastor um, <laughs> and then I say I don't want to be a senior pastor that's it she's just like no I don't want to do it no, but, good, thanks but it literally because of that though there is those times where you're like okay well why didn't they want to do it that way why didn't they want to do it this way what why am I why are the words that I'm saying why are they not enough and whenever that happens over and over again, or you go into situations and you're like, dude, I know what they're doing is so dumb. Why I could do it so much better. And you have those thoughts and then that, that, that kills your pride real quick. Now on the other side where for us, and that's what, that's literally on the, the, the career associate pastor side of it, you're going to, you're going to have those moments where you're going to be like, I need to be encouraged. And I think that's super important to be able to have those wives that understand that, hey, this is what we're called to do and this is what you're going to be doing. And, hey, we're we're going to stick through this. And this is what you know, I see where God's hand is moving us into this place. And this is what it's going to look like. 
And I think that, but I think the where you're asking about is a whole lot more something that's going to have to deal with on the senior level as opposed to the associate senior, uh, senior or younger, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That younger youth pastor that's in his twenties and just got married that knows everything that doesn't really know anything. Those cocky little boogers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. so what is this? What is the thing that one of the things that uh, Marina does that really encourages you? She is, while everybody else is patting me on the back, right? While everybody else is patting me on the back saying good job, she says it was okay. She's real. She's real, and and uh, even even to the point to where um, she does it because she knows I need to get balanced. Right. And whenever uh, I wear a lot of hats, I do a lot of things. Uh, People look to me for a lot of leadership in things. In some cases, I'm doing the programming in some of the things where where I'm doing a lot of the programming to where people, whatever they say, man, I'm working in ministry. Well, you're working in ministry because people program it on this side. Right. And we all know about the admin side of it. So whenever you're always going, going and going and it's program after program Thing after thing, you get it's intoxicating sometimes whenever you get the success, right? And you just start rolling, rolling, rolling. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Wait a minute, you're only human. You're only human. It's like, okay, okay, I know where you're coming from. And I listen and thank you for giving me that uh, red flag there, you know, and bringing me back down. Yeah. Um, uh, Because I'm a creative. I'm, I'm very passionate about what I do in anything that I do. So having her to counter to be my counterweight on those things so everybody else is patting me on the back and she doesn't do it in a mean hurtful way yeah it's in a way that it's very constructive she says you need to bring it back down because you're going to run yourself crazy and uh, i really appreciate that about my wife because she's really the only one that can do that for me all right pastor daryl i think margaret encourages she and i think she answered it well earlier just by being there and because I know that there's so many things for me that because I because I am spread out, I'm doing with, you know, just before I even got added the, a lot of the family stuff and the care part of my job and the different things of that kids ministry. I can't be in all the areas. You just can't. You can't be you can't follow. You can't follow. You can't. I can't rock babies and, and t- teach a Bible story in the pre-K and then turn around and lead worship in, pre- in elementary. It's just not possible. And so I had to have, there's times I have to have somebody who understands what we're going to do and understand what, what needs to happen. And I may not, I, I may have tried to communicate this the best that I could, but the only way to do that is have somebody show them. And I know Margaret knows how to do that. And so that's, for me, that's always one of the biggest helps and encouragements to me because I know I can always go to her and say, hey, I need you to move from here to here because this person is struggling or I need to, or this area is struggling. And there's different things like that, that, Hey, there's a, there's a hole here and my goal will be to fire you. And I always joke that, Hey, my goal is to fire her, but she is the, she is the, Hey, this is where the standard is. She knows where it's set. She knows what the expectation is. And she knows generally where, Hey, we've been through this before. This is what this looks like to fix it. And so that's always a, that's a super huge help of encouragement to me just to know that that's there. I'm the right. fixer. Yeah, that's a, a huge role. And I'm kind of with Caesar a little bit about 
being truthful and different things like that. But I tell you what encourages me the most that Sandra does is, and uh, we'll we'll close with this. Um, when I wake up in the morning, her personal devotion. When I wake up, she's already in her devotion and reading the word and, and doing her thing. That encourages me the most that I know that she's studying her word and she's she's being a rock for me. Um, so we can move as as a, a couple. We're not we're not doing it unevenly yoked, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's one of the things that encourages me the most. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, guys, man, I appreciate y'all stopping by. Hope it wasn't terrible for you, honey. It wasn't. Well, good because <laughs> I've been encouraging her to for us to start a podcast. So you should do it. I think she should be good at it. She just has to get behind the mic a few times. We can have y'all on our podcast. There you go. Let's do it. We got five kids worth of experience of knowing that parenting is not easy see she can even finish my sentences but we appreciate you coming out we appreciate your friendship and hopefully we can continue to build caesar's good to have you back yeah james we miss you too yeah james he's been he james has been the rock and now he ain't here hopefully he's having a good time you know where he went I think his wife had some pottery ex- exhibition thing. Oh, I know. He's having a great time. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. He plays the part of a very supportive husband. Yeah, he's kayaking go. or something. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we appreciate y'all coming out, and we'll see you next week. This is The Refuge Project.